Hello friend and welcome to another video. This time we're going, we're reviewing single herbs. We're specifically reviewing the category warm acrid herbs that release the exterior. So we will go over some fundamentals about what it means to release the exterior. We'll go over the basic properties of this category as a whole. And then we'll go through each of the individual herbs. There are about 12 to 15 herbs in this category. So that's what we're doing today. So before we get started, just a note, if you want to follow along, you can go to the website, tcmstudy.net, if you want to follow along with the handouts. If you click under Herbology 1, there are some slides that you can download if you want to follow along. There are two versions. One is just black and white. The other has some uh, photos with each of the herb samples. So if you want to follow along, you can go to tcmstudy.net and download that. Also, um, I've been trying to make little flashcards. So that this is in the link in the description below. If you want to download it, I've been making some flashcards. Basically, it's the same thing as the slides, but they're meant to be printed out on these blank four by six note cards. So they look pretty much the same. Again, there are a couple versions depending on how much printer ink you want to use. Some are just black and white. Some have the color photo. And then uh, there's one version that has some additional notes with some highlights and some underlines and some little emojis. So those are some options too. Those are in the description below. So you can click that link to download those. Uh, one last thing. Uh, I would Basically, this video is brought to you by viewers like you. So I always like to say thank you to the Patreon supporters for supporting the website, the channel. If you want to join them in supporting this web, uh, uh, this channel, if you're getting value out of this video, there are some links in the description below about how you can uh, support the channel and the website. The other thing I wanted to say is when we go through this category, this is kind of more of an in-depth review. If you are taking a single herb class, if you are studying for a year-end comprehensive exam, if you're studying for a clinic entrance exam, if you're studying for boards, this might be a little bit too detailed. So if you're looking for more of a quick overview of all the herbs, I do have a single herb review course. There's a link to that in the description below, and that is on uh, Teachable. So that's a course there. So this is going to be a little bit more in-depth as if you are taking an Herbology 1 course. So let's go ahead and get into it. So we're starting off with the category warm acrid herbs that release the exterior. This is actually a subcategory. Our first category is actually herbs that release the exterior. And then we have two subcategories, warm acrid herbs that release the exterior and cool acrid herbs that release the exterior. So we might start out by asking, when would we use these herbs that release the exterior? Well, no surprise, these herbs are used when we have an exterior attack. That, that is, when a pathogen is attacking the superficial levels of the body. When we say exterior pathogen, we mean one of the six evils. Uh, heat, cold, wind, dampness, dryness, and summer heat. So when one or more of those six evils attacks the body from the outside, it gets lodged in the superficial levels of the body. So we use herbs that release the exterior to promote sweating and push the pathogen out. And so that's kind of our treatment principle here is maybe you talked about this in fundamentals or maybe you talked about this in your intro to herbs class or maybe you didn't. 
But at least with herbs, classically, we talk about eight different treatment strategies. We can tonify, we can drain, we can harmonize, we can induce vomiting, we can purge or downward drain. Well, one of our eight treatment principles is inducing sweating. And so that's what we're doing here. That's how we deal with these exterior pathogens is we induce sweating to release the exterior. In biomedicine, this is called diaphoresis. So we could say that these herbs have a diaphoretic effect, but basically that's how they're working is we are promoting sweating to release the exterior and push this pathogen out. So the next question we might ask is, how do we know that we have an external attack? How, what signs and symptoms should we be looking for? Well, our two major ones are going to be fever and chills and a floating pulse. Let me explain this one. So first with fever and chills, sometimes people get confused here because when you say fever and chills, they're like, how can you be hot and cold at the same time? That sounds kind of contradictory. It's like, welcome to Chinese medicine. That's what we do. But what do we mean when we say fever and chills? Well, let's start with the fever. So in, in TCM, we tend to use the analogy, uh, we tend to use military analogies. Uh, we talk about the liver being a general commanding the troops. And so with an, with the external invasion of one of these pathogens, they treat it like an army that's invading. And so we say, oh, it's the xiechi, the evil chi from the outside is invading the body. And it's the upright chi, the good chi, the righteous chi of the body is mounting a defense. So when we have this external attack, there's this battle between the good chi and the evil chi. And that battle creates heat. And so that's why we see fever. Really, I should be mm, a little bit more specific. When we say fever, we don't necessarily mean the number on the thermometer. We're saying, does the patient feel feverish? Does the patient feel warm? That's why Nigel Weissman uses the term heat effusion. He says heat effusion is the subjective feeling of heat as felt by the patient. And so sometimes this comes up like when you're in clinic, you, you might have a patient and you say, oh, do you have a fever? And they'll say, no, I took my temperature and it's normal. That's not really what we mean. What we mean is, do you feel feverish? Sometimes you feel like you have a fever, but then you stick a thermometer in your mouth and your temperature is normal. As long as you feel feverish, that's what we're looking for. And that's why Nigel Weissman prefers the term heat effusion. The other thing we have to look for is, um, I say fever and chills. This is a bit strange. Uh, basically, out of convenience, I say fever and chills. Really, what I should say is aversion to cold or aversion to wind. These are the Chinese terms, Wuhan, fear of cold, and Wufeng, fear of wind. And so what's happening here is normally the body is diffusing yang qi over the surface. So when you're normal and healthy, the body is diffusing this yang qi over the surface, and that yang qi warms the body and protects the body. It's like you're wearing a coat or you have a blanket wrapped around you. Well, what happens is when you have an external attack, that pathogen is blocking the body's diffusion of yang qi over the surface. And so you're very susceptible to cold or to wind or to drafts. So like in, instead of having that coat on you that warms and protects you, you now, now you don't have that. So as soon as you get hit by cold or hit by wind, you immediately get chilled. And so that's what we mean by 
fever and chills. It's like you're feeling warm and feverish, but you still want to stay bundled up because you don't have that yang qi diffusing over the surface of the body. So that's what we mean when, we, when I say fever and chills. Really, I probably should say heat diffusion and aversion to cold, but it's just easier for normal people to say fever and chills. The second one for an external attack is a floating pulse. Uh, the Chinese term here is fu mai. This could be a floating pulse or a superficial pulse. Those are just different translations of the word fu mai. And so what's happening here is because the pathogen is attacking the surface, the body's chi rises to the surface to the meat, and so we feel the pulse at the surface. And this is just going to be our kind of our basic pulse diagnosis is when you feel the pulse superficially or floating, that means there's the condition at the surface. When you feel the pulse deeper, that means it's more of an interior condition. So superficial, more exterior, deep, more interior. So since we're dealing with a pathogen on the exterior, we feel the pulse near the surface. And so these are going to be our two main symptoms for an external attack, whether talking about wind cold or wind heat. Whenever you see simultaneous fever and chills and a floating pulse, we know that we're dealing with an external attack. And so kind of from now to the end of school, whenever you see those two symptoms, it doesn't really matter what the chief complaint is. If a person has headache with fever and chills and floating pulse, it's probably an external attack. If a person has rash with fever and chills and floating pulse, it's probably an external attack. If a person has dry, itchy eyes with fever and chills and floating pulse, it's probably an external attack. And then maybe I should point out when I say fever and chills, we mean simultaneous fever and chills. So you feel hot, but you want to stay bundled up, and those two things are happening at the same time. We have a different condition of alternating fever and chills. That's something else. That's when the fever, you have fever for a while, you feel hot and feverish. Then it switches and you feel cold and chilled. Then it switches again and you feel hot. That's something else we'll talk about later. For now, with an external attack of either wind heat or wind cold, we mean simultaneous fever and chills and a floating pulse. Other things specific to wind cold that we might see are going to be things like headache, stiff neck, and muscle ache. Sometimes you see this when people have the flu or something. They, see, they feel tired and achy and stiff. They feel like, oh, I feel like I got hit by a truck. Uh, we'll talk about more about why that is, specific, specifically neck and shoulders and headache. We'll talk about that more in a minute. But headache, stiff neck, muscle ache. We can also see nasal congestion. Um, with wind cold, we're going to expect that to be, if we get some mucus, we expect that to be more thin, runny, clear. Uh, also, if we have cough, we might cough up phlegm. We expect that phlegm to be thin, clear, and copious because we're dealing with wind cold. If we had wind heat, our phlegm might be more thick, sticky, scanty, and yellow. So that's what we're looking for in terms of an external attack of wind cold. These are going to be our major signs and symptoms to tell us that we're dealing with an external attack of wind cold. What we should also probably do here is kind of briefly review the idea of the Shang Han Lun and the Wen Bing. Again, this is probably something you covered in fundamentals class. But basically, when we're dealing with febrile diseases, we have two schools of thought. We have the cold damage school and the warm disease school. We have the Shang Han Lun that says that febrile diseases are caused by cold. And we have the Wen Bing school that says diseases are caused by heat. So 
we're in the category warm acrid herbs that release to the exterior. We're dealing with wind cold attacks. So it makes sense that we're gonna be dealing with the Shanghan Loon, the cold damage school. So let's talk about that briefly. So again, when we say Shanghan Loon and cold damage, this is the idea that febrile diseases are caused by cold pathogens. These cold pathogens enter the body through the skin and muscle layer, and then they penetrate the body through the six levels or the six channels in this order. Taiyang, Yangming, Xiaoyang, Taiyin, Xiaoyin, Jueyin. Well, so for herbs that release the exterior or for warm acrid herbs that release the exterior, we're basically dealing with the Taiyang level. Basically, we could say that an external attack of wind cold is the same as an attack at the Taiyang level. So that's what we're dealing with here. Well, it turns out when we talk about Taiyang disorders or an attack at the Taiyang level, we have two types. We have excess and deficiency. So we can say Taiyang excess or Taiyang deficiency. And so the signs and symptoms for these two are a little bit different, but the two distinguishing factors are going to be sweating. Is there presence of sweating or absence of sweating? And then we can also look at the pulse to determine whether we're dealing with Taiyang excess or Taiyang deficiency. So for Taiyang excess, we have simultaneous, simultaneous fever and chills without sweating. So with Taiyang excess, there is no sweating. Maybe a way we can explain this is we can say that there's an excess pathogen blocking the pores, and so the sweat can't get out because that excess cold is, is causing this blockage. So the sweat can't get out. The other thing we look for in the pulse, we say there's a floating tight pulse. Floating because an exterior attack. A tight pulse, if you, if you remember um, pulse diagnosis, a tight pulse is kind of like a wiry pulse, but it's also large in diameter. So normally when we say wiry, we kind of, it's kind of implied that it's more of a thin pulse. A tight pulse is wiry, but also large. And if we go look at our pulse diagnosis book, it says a tight pulse usually indicates excess cold. And so the idea here is we're dealing with Taiyang excess, and that excess is reflected in the pulse with an excess pulse. For Taiyang deficiency, we have fever and chills with sweating or fever and chills with a presence of sweating. Or sometimes we say fever and chills unrelieved by sweating, meaning the sweating is happening, but it's not pushing the pathogen out. So a way we can kind of think about this, this may not be 100% accurate, but kind of the, the beginner's way to think about this is we can say that because there's a deficiency on the exterior, like normally the chi is supposed to be there and hold things in, but because there's a deficiency on the exterior, the chi isn't holding the fluids in, and so the fluids leak out but they leak out in a way that's insufficient to expel the pathogen. So we have the sweat leaking out, but there's no oomph behind it to actually push the pathogen out because we're dealing with a deficiency condition. And then when we look at the pulse, uh, it's, a, it's a floating pulse because an external attack. Nigel Weissman says a floating moderate pulse. I think Bensky says a lax or frail pulse. But basically here, we're dealing with the, a deficiency condition, so we feel some deficiency in the pulse. So that's a way we can differentiate between Taiyang excess and Taiyang deficiency. Taiyang excess is also called Shanghan, cold damage, 
and it's characterized by fever and chills without sweating and a floating tight pulse. Taiyang deficiency is also called zhongfeng, wind strike, and it's characterized by fever and chills with sweating, because the sweat is leaking out, and a floating weak or frail or lax or moderate pulse. So this is something that we're going to have to pay attention to, especially in the first couple herbs. Uh, a wind-cold attack is an attack at the Taiyang level. We have two types, and so we're going to use different herbs depending on whether we're dealing with Taiyang excess or Taiyang deficiency. So that's something that we want to review just quickly before we get into the actual herbs. So if we take a look at the properties of these or of this category as a whole, um, basically this is something helpful to think about that rather than going through each individual herb and memorizing the taste, temperature, entering channel, and functions of each individual herb, try to start out thinking more broadly about what are the properties that apply to all of the herbs in this category. So that, that way, as long as you know an herb, if you know its category, you'll be able to say something about what's the taste, what's the temperature, what are the entering channels, what are some possible cautions and contraindications that we need to look for. So that's why we start out here with a kind of an overview of the properties that apply to all of the herbs in this category. So the name of this category is warm, acrid herbs that release the exterior. So of course, these herbs are going to be warm and acrid. Uh, we're dealing with wind cold, so since we're dealing with a cold condition, we use herbs that are warm in temperature. Remember, this comes from the Shanghan Loon that in cases of heat, use cooling herbs. In cases of cold, use warming herbs. And so we're dealing with wind cold, we use herbs that are warm in temperature. If you remember our five tastes, remember we said the acrid flavor is moving and dispersing. So sometimes this is good if we have qi stagnation or blood stagnation. We'll use acrid herbs to move that stagnation, break up that stagnation. But here what we can say is we have this pathogen stuck on the surface. So we're using the acrid flavor to disperse that pathogen. So that's why these are warm acrid herbs that release the exterior. Entering channels, most of these herbs are going to enter the lung channel. Remember, the, the lung governs the exterior. It governs the opening and closing of the pores. So if we're trying to release the exterior by promoting sweating, it makes sense that we're going to enter the lung channel as well. And you can also think that they say the, the lung is the delicate organ and the lung is, uh, tends to be the first to get hit by these pathogens. So most of these pathogens are going to affect the lung and we're going to see lung-type symptoms like cough and coughing up phlegm in the lung, uh, difficulty breathing or shortness of breath in the lung, nasal congestion because the lung opens to the nose. So uh, external attack of wind, wind cold tends to affect the lungs. So it makes sense that these herbs are going to enter the lung channel. Some cautions and contraindications we should pay attention to is, one, these are warm and acrid and dispersing because that's what we want. We want warm herbs to warm the cold. We want acrid herbs to disperse the pathogen. We just have to be careful that these might be too warm and too dispersing. So if the person is very weak or very deficient, it could be that using these herbs too much or for too long term could actually disperse the normal chi of the body. Um, so we have to use caution with patients uh, with qi deficiency because we could be overly dispersing their qi. Yin deficiency because these herbs are warming and drying that could exacerbate the existing yin deficiency. 
Or if the person is a sweaty person, if they're already sweating, we don't want to induce sweat even more. Or just with long-term use, that the acrid flavor, the warm acrid, could disperse their upright chi or dry them out. Now, that doesn't mean that these herbs are necessarily contraindicated. It just means that we might want to take that into account, that later when we get into our formulas, we're going to see certain formulas where we kind of take that into account with our combination that we might, if a person is qi deficient, we might add in some qi tonics. If a person is yin deficient, we might add in some yin tonics to balance that out. Or it also means that we just shouldn't use these long term. That if a person has an attack of wind cold, they got fever and chills, we're just going to give them enough to push that out and get rid of the pathogen, expel the pathogen, and then we're going to switch over our strategy. We're going to stop dispersing and we're going to switch over to a strategy of building back up their upright chi or building back up their fluids. So we don't, we don't really use these long term the way we might use chi tonics for months or years. We probably wouldn't do that with this category. And again, our main action is uh, warm acrid releasing the exterior. The way we, we release the exterior is by promoting sweating, that, that by promoting sweating that pushes the pathogen out. So this is an overview of the category as a whole. And so we'll kind of see these things come up as we go through these individual herbs. So let's go ahead and get into the herbs. Take a little tea break. Daniel is here. Hi, Daniel. Um, have Oriental medicine martial arts is stunning for boards, but so yeah, this this might be a little bit in depth, but it, but it's a good review, and maybe we'll as we go along. Sometimes I like to mention some formulas, so maybe that'll be good for you as well. That as we go through, we can kind of mention some formulas, and that might help you as as you're studying for boards. Rakesh, hello, Rakesh from Nairobi. Hello. Glad, glad you all are here. So, let me make sure I don't lose my voice and let's get into the individual herbs. So our first herb, so our first herb is Oh, here's our list of herbs. So we have about two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve. Ooh, we have like fifteen or sixteen herbs. So our first herb is Ma Huang, Ephedra herba. Ma Huang, Ma Huang, Ephedra herba. So Ma Huang, Ephedra herba has three main functions. It, like all herbs in this category, it promotes sweating to release the exterior. It's also good for coughing and wheezing and it promotes urination to treat edema. So let's go through these one by one. So number one, Mahuang Ephedra Herba promotes sweating to release the exterior. This is actually one of our best herbs for promoting sweating and releasing the exterior. It has a very strong diaphoretic action to release the exterior. And Mahuang Ephedra Herba is our representative herb for Taiyang excess conditions. Remember when we said Taiyang excess, that's also called Shanghan or cold damage, and this is fever and chills without sweating. There's an excess pathogen blocking the pores, so the sweat can't get out. Our pulse is floating and tight. A tight pulse indicates excess cold. So Mahuang Ephedra Herba is for Taiyang excess with absence of sweating. And later, when we get into our herbs class, Zhong Zhong Jing, or our formula class, Zhong Zhong Jing was really into Ma Huang. We have an entire family of formulas 
based on Ma Huang that treat different types of Taiyang excess conditions. So when you get into formulas, you're going to see Ma Huang Tang, Gugen Tang is based on Ma Huang Tang, Xiao Qing Long Tang, minor blue green dragon decoction. So these are all formulas that use Ma Huang and they treat Taiyang excess conditions, that is, fever and chills without sweating. So we definitely want to remember that Mahuang ephedra herba and releasing the exterior, its specialty is Taiyang excess conditions. Mahuang ephedra herba is also one of our best herbs for stopping coughing and wheezing. Uh, basically, Mahuang is ephedra. And we can isolate that, the active ingredient, which is ephedrine. And it turns out we can make a synthetic form of that active ingredient called pseudoephedrine or pseudofed. So basically, mahuang is so good at stopping coughing and wheezing, we even put it in allergy medications and asthma medications and, and cold medications. This is usually, stuff, at least in America, this is behind the counter. You have to give them your driver's license and show your ID um, because ephedrine is, can be made into meth. Uh, but but the point here is mahuang is ephedra, which contains ephedrine, which is really good for coughing and wheezing. So we can say that uh, mahuang has this acrid opening, dispersing function that opens up the lungs so you can breathe. Uh, I just say stops coughing and wheezing. I think Bensky says diffuses lung chi or disseminates lung chi. And what that means is the direction of the lung, the lung is supposed to downbear the lung chi but it's also supposed to open and spread and move upward into the face. So when we say disseminate lung chi, that just means we're spreading the lung chi so that we can take in the chi of the air. So uh, diffuses lung chi is basically saying it stops cough and wheezing. So mahuang ephedra herba, one of our best herbs for stopping coughing and wheezing. Mahuang ephedra herba also promotes urination to treat edema. And if you've ever taken high doses of Sudafed, you know that it does this. It, it makes you pee. Uh, but we should be careful here when we say promotes urination to treat edema. We're specifically talking about edema due to lung causes. And so that's why we say wind water edema or edema in the upper body or edema that accompanies an external attack. And so I just like to point this out because... Um, you might see edema in the clinic a lot, but usually it's, it's more often, let me just say, if a person has edema in their legs, it's probably due to kidney deficiency, kidney yang deficiency, kidneys not transforming the fluids. If a person has edema in their lower body, you're probably not going to use mahuang. You're probably going to use herbs that enter the kidney channel and warm the kidney. If a person has edema around the middle jowl, sometimes you call this drum distension, that's probably due to a spleen deficiency. The spleen's not transforming dampness. We wouldn't use mahuang. Mahuang enters the lung channel, so it's for edema in the upper body or edema that accompanies a wind-cold attack. Because remember that the lung has a function of regulating the water passages. So sometimes when we have an attack of wind cold, it not only disrupts the chi movement in the lung, causing coughing and wheezing, it can also disrupt the chi movement to cause water metabolism issues, and we get fluid accumulation. So that's going to be sudden swelling in the arms or swelling in the face or edema that accompanies that simultaneous fever and chills and a floating pulse. So you might see this when we go through acupuncture points. When you look at some of the points on the lung channel, we'll say the lung regulates the water passages and it's good for edema, but it's going to say the same thing. It's going to say edema in the upper body, edema in the face, 
or sudden swelling or sudden edema that accompanies an external attack. So that's what we're talking about when we say that ma huang ephedra herba promotes urination to treat edema. If anything, number four, we can say ma huang disperses things from the channels to treat B syndrome. This is something that's technically in Bensky and technically it comes up in one formula. There is one Shang Han Lun formula. Um, I don't know if it's Shang Han Lun or Jingwei Yalui. There's one Zhang Zhang Jing formula where he uses Ma Huang to treat hot B. So this comes up in one formula. I wouldn't say that this is a major function of this herb. Sometimes when you look at uh, dit de jiaos or uh, external liniments, sometimes they'll have Ma Huang in it just because it's really good at uh, getting this wind-cold damp pathogen out of the channels. But I wouldn't necessarily say this is a major symptom. I would say if you're if you're trying to memorize things about ma huang, I would remember that ma huang ephedra herba promotes sweating to release the exterior for taiyang excess. It stops coughing and wheezing, and it promotes urination to treat edema for edema in the upper body. Then we also put this note on here. I'm not sure if I can re even read this, but we're saying if ma huang um, ma huang, even though it's warm in temperature, we use it for wind cold. It's actually so good at what it does, we'll even use it for warm conditions. We'll even use it when the temperature doesn't match, just because it's so good. We just have to balance it out with other herbs that make it the correct temperature. So herbs like Huangqin, which is a cold herb, or Shigao, which is a cold herb. So basically what we're saying here is, for example, we said Ma Huang is really good at treating coughing and wheezing. But ma huang is a warm herb, so we would expect we would use it for coughing and wheezing due to an external attack of wind cold. Well, it turns out that ma huang, a fedra herba, is so good at treating it coughing and wheezing, we can even use it for coughing and wheezing due to heat. So, for example, we have this formula called ma xing shirgan tang, um, ephedra, apricot, gypsum, and licorice decoction. Mashing shirgantong. This is a formula for cough due to heat in the lung. So normally if we have heat in the lung, we would not use a warm herb like ma huang, but it turns out ma huang is so good at coughing and wheezing, we can use it anyway, and then we just had to have to add in shirgao to take care of the heat. So, um, those are some examples where Ma Huang is so good at releasing exterior, sometimes we'll use it even if it's the wrong temperature. Ma Huang is so good at stopping coughing and wheezing, sometimes we'll use it even if it's the wrong temperature. We just have to combine it with other herbs. So when we go back up here and look at the taste temperature entering channels, this is warm acrid herbs that release the exterior, so of course it's going to be warm and acrid. We also say that Ma Huang is slightly bitter. Maybe a way we can think about this, this is a little bit weird. Normally we say the bitter flavor dries dampness and it clears heat and drains fire. Ma Huang's not really doing that here. So why is it bitter? So maybe one thing we could say is, remember, the bitter flavor tends to have a downward direction. And Ma Huang, what it's doing is it's stopping coughing and wheezing. It's not only diffusing or spreading the lung qi, it's also redirecting the lung qi back downwards to deal with that rebellious qi. So maybe that's how we can remember that it's bitter, is that it has a downward action to stop rebellious lung qi like coughing and wheezing. When you look at the entering channels, like we said, most of these channels enter the lung channel because the lung governs the exterior, governs the opening and closing of the pores. It also enters the UB channel because we said it treats Tai Yang syndrome. 
we say Taiyang, we mean UB and SI. So um, this herb enters both the lung and UB channels. We could also say that it's good for coughing and wheezing. Coughing and wheezing is a lung thing, so that's why it enters the lung channel. We can also say ma huang, a fed herba, promotes urination. That's a urinary bladder thing, so it enters the urinary bladder channel. So those are the entering channels of ma huang, a fed herba. Dose is just the normal three to nine grams. Sorry, two to nine grams. When we look at dosages, I wouldn't worry too much about, like, some of the, Bensky is really weird with his dosages. Sometimes he says 2 to 9, sometimes he says 3 to 9, sometimes he says 5 to 9. Really, uh, a normal range is 3 to 9 grams. We want to pay attention, is it beyond that range? Is it like 9 to 15 or 9 to 30? Or is it below that range, 1 to 3, 0.1, uh, half a gram to 1 gram? So as long as, I think as long as you remember, it's in the normal range, that 3 to 9 grams, I wouldn't worry too much about whether it says 2 to 9 or 3 to 9 or 3 to 10, that's not really important. Normal range is um, 1 to 3 qian or 3 to 9 grams. So that is mahuang, ephedra herba. It's our representative herb for taiyang excess or fever and chills without sweating. By contrast, we have, oh, sorry, let me, let me go back. Let me talk about mahuang. Uh, sometimes I like to mention the name. Uh, ma Huang. Ma means hemp. Um, and we're going to see this come up a few times. We have like, uh, in the next category, we have Sheng Ma, which is ascending hemp. Later in the moist laxative category, we're going to have Huo Ma Ren, fire hemp seed. Well, Ma Huang, this is another hemp. Huang means yellow. So it's one of our colors. Like the Huang Di Nei Jing is the yellow emperor's inner classic. So Ma Huang is hemp yellow or yellow hemp. And again, this is um, ephedra. This is specifically a, a Chinese version of ephedra. Some, sometimes people say, oh, we have ephedra in California. It grows along the side of the road. They call it Mormon tea. That's actually a different version of ephedra, ephedra californicus or something. That American version of ephedra doesn't have that active ingredient ephedrin, whereas we're dealing with um, ephedra sinica that does have the active ingredient. So um, it's similar to Mormon tea or what you see growing along the side of the road in uh, California and Nevada and Utah, but it's, but it's the Chinese version. So that is Mahuang ephedra herba. Next we have guijur, cinnamomy ramulus, or cinnamon twig. Guijur, cinnamomy ramulus. Guijur, cinnamon twig. Guijur. So we said mahuang was our, our rep, number one herb for taiyang excess. Guijur, it also releases the exterior, but this one is more for taiyang deficiency. Remember when you said Taiyang deficiency, that's also called Zhongfeng, wind strike. Taiyang deficiency is fever and chills with sweating, with the presence of sweating. Or when you get into formulas, we'll say fever and chills unrelieved by sweating, that the sweating is happening, but it's not pushing the pathogen out. And again, maybe a way we can think of this is... Um, there's a deficiency on the exterior, so the qi can't contain the fluids or hold the fluids in so the fluids leak out. But because there's deficiency, there's not enough oomph behind it to actually push the pathogen out. So that's why I say guijur uh, for taiyang deficiency, that's fever and chills with sweating. 
And then notice here, we not only say it releases the exterior, we also say it releases the muscle layer. So remember when we talked about um, our signs and symptoms of wind cold attack, we said stiff neck, stiff body, muscle ache. When we see those signs, that's a sign that the pathogen is, no, is not just at the level of the skin, it's gone a little bit deeper into the muscle layer. And that's why we can use Guajur, Cinnamomy ramulus, to release the muscle layer specifically to deal with those symptoms of stiff neck, stiff shoulders, stiff upper back, things like that. And the reason it tends to be neck and upper back, remember we said this is a attack at the Tai Yang level. Remember our Tai Yang channels are urinary bladder and small intestine. So think about where those channels go. We have like UB10 is at the occiput right at the neck or the SI channel zigzags around the shoulder and then it comes up to the neck. So that's why we say we usually specifically say stiff neck and shoulders because that's where those Tai Yang channels are going. And so with Guajur, we say it releases the exterior and releases the muscle layer to deal with those, I feel like I got hit by a truck or I have a stiff neck sort of thing. We also say it harmonizes the yin and the way. That's just, um, I don't think we need to get into that too much. We can save that for a Shanghan Lun class that when we talk about Tai Yang deficiency, we, that's another way we say is there's a disharmony of the yin and the way. And that just means that we have that deficiency and the sweat is leaking out. The, the, you have the Wei Qi that's supposed to hold things in. You have the Ying Qi, which is a little bit more yin, and that's leaking out. And technically, that gets a little bit complicated. What I just said there was not 100% correct, but we don't have to get too scholarly right now. Just, just know that Guajur Cinnamomy Ramulus is for Tai Yang deficiency, which is fever and chills with sweating. Besides releasing the exterior, Guajur cinnamomy ramulus, it's, it's cinnamon twig. It's, it's cinnamon. It's very warm. So it has a very yang nature. It's warming and unblocking. So it can warm and unblock the yang qi at various places in the body. So we say that Guajur cinnamomy ramulus warms the middle jowl. So it's, so by, just by virtue of its warming nature, it can warm the spleen stomach. And it's especially good for abdominal pain due to cold or for watery diarrhea when, when there's cold, uh, the spleen stomach can't properly transform and digest the food, so we get uh, uh, diarrhea with loose stools. So Guajur, by virtue of its warming property, can warm the middle jowl and help with this condition. Guajur cinnamomy ramulus warms the chest. Uh, notice that this enters the heart channel. So it warms the chest, treating things like uh, chest bee. Chest bee is kind of like a thing like angina pain, so... Uh, warming the chest, treating chest pain, treating uh, shortness of breath. I always I uh, abbreviate shortness of breath as SOB. Some people ask me about that. SOB means shortness of breath. Or palpitations, like you can feel your heart pounding. So by virtue of its warming and unblocking nature, it can warm and unblock the chest. It can warm and unblock the urinary bladder. So if we have cold in the UB, that can... Um, cause urinary retention. The, the urinary bladder can't let the urine out, so it gets retention and we get uh, edema. So by virtue of warming and unblocking, you can warm and unblock the urinary bladder so that the urine can flow. It's actually so good at this, we can even use it as an external compress on the lower jowl. Guajur cinnamomuramulus also warms and unblocks the channels and indirectly moves blood. So this is... Um, 
we can say this is good for B syndrome. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if we've explained B syndrome. B syndrome is translated as painful obstruction syndrome or impediment syndrome. Basically, we have an external wind cold damp pathogen blocking the channels causing pain. This is kind of like arthritis. So what's happening here is wager by virtue of its warming and unblocking nature, it can warm and unblock the channels to treat this B syndrome. Also, it can we can kind of say it indirectly invigorates blood. We wouldn't really go so far as to say that wager actually invigorates blood by itself, but just if we have blood stagnation due to coldness, sometimes we'll use wager, cinnamomum ramulus, to warm the vessels so that we can unblock and promote the movement of blood. So just by being warming, wager, cinnamon twig, has all of these functions, and it turns out that all of them are important. We actually have formulas for each of these conditions where guajir shows up. So for like warming the middle jiao and treating abdominal pain, we have a formula called, called xiaoxian xiongtong, minor construct the middle decoction. It's based on guajir and it's for um, abdominal pain due to deficiency cold, abdominal pain that's better with warmth and pressure. So we use guajir. Warms the chest, we have a formula called jirgan saotong, prepared licorice decoction, which is for palpitations, and there guajir is there because it warms and unblocks the chest. Warms the, warms the bladder to help with the flow of urine, we have a formula called wuling san, which is for edema and uh, water retention due to, uh, due to coldness, and so there guajir is there to warm and unblock the UB. Um, warms the channels. We have a few or a few formulas that have guajir in them that treat B syndrome. And then we have a formula called guajir fooling wan, which is for blood stagnation due to coldness. And there, guajir is one of the main ingredients to help with blood stagnation. So guajir does a lot of things, and it turns out all of those things are important. So when we look at the entering channels, again, we're in the category warm acrid herbs that release the exterior, so it's going to be warm and acrid. Notice it's also sweet in flavor. And again, this is maybe a little bit weird because when we look at these functions, usually we say the sweet flavor is tonifying. We don't really see any function of tonifying deficiency. So it might seem a little bit weird that wager is sweet in flavor. One way I would think about it is even though we don't say it's tonifying deficiency, we do say it's for taiyang deficiency. So since we're dealing with deficiency condition, it kind of makes sense that we would want to use a sweet herb. And then we can also say the, the sweet flavor is associated with the earth phase, which is associated with spleen and stomach. And guajir is a very good herb for the spleen and stomach. So maybe we can make the association that way. But guajir is not only warm and acrid, it's also sweet in flavor. When we look at its entering channels, of course it enters the lung channel because we're uh, promoting sweating and releasing the exterior. It enters the UB channel because we're warming and unblocking the urinary bladder. It enters the heart channel because we're warming the chest, treating chest beat, treating palpitations. So all of those channels should make sense. Dosage is normal, 3 to 9 grams. When we look at the name of this herb, guay just means cinnamon. So later we're going to learn rogue or rogue p, which is cinnamon bark. So guay just means cinnamon. Jir means twig. So if you remember in intro class, maybe you went over the Chinese names for all the plant parts. And so when we do that, we have like gun means root, jir means twig, ye means leaf, 
ren and z means seed. Here, this is a twig, so gui zhi. Zhi means twig. Gui zhi is cinnamon twig. So that's gui zhi, cinnamomy ranulus. Uh, basically, we need to remember all these things. It releases the exterior and the muscle layer for that stiff neck and muscle and body ache. In releasing the exterior, we tend to use it a lot for Taiyang deficiency conditions, and uh, with which is fever and chills with sweating. And then we have all this warming and blocking. Warms warms the middle jowl, warms the chest, warms the UB, warms the channels, pretty much warms everything. If we wanted to do a comparison between Ma Huang and Gui Zhi, we could say a couple things. Basically, we could say that. Mahuang, one is better for Taiyang excess, that is fever and chills without sweating. Guizhou is better for Taiyang deficiency, which is fever and chills with sweating. I mean, I kind of say that actually for Taiyang excess, we actually combine Mahuang and Guizhou together, and they have a um, a synergistic effect. So we we still use Guizhou for Taiyang excess, but. By itself, if we have Gui, if we have Taiyang deficiency, then we use Guizhou by itself to treat that Taiyang deficiency, harmonizing the yin and way. So Ma Huang better for Taiyang excess, Guizhou more for Taiyang deficiency. Um, we could say that Ma Huang is better at promoting sweating. It's in terms of its acridness, it's better at promoting sweating and pushing things out. But Guizhou is actually warmer in temperature. We saw it warms and unblocks all these things. So even though it's not quite as good at pushing out the sweat, it's actually warmer in temperature. Then we could also say the level that Ma Huang is working more at the level of the skin, more superficial. Whereas with Guizhou, we said it works more at the level of the muscle layer, taking care of those body aches. So those are some differences between Ma Huang and Guizhou that we can just point out. So those are probably our two. Biggest herbs for this category,、uh, there are Shanghan Lun herbs, so we're going to see them come up a lot. So that's why we emphasize these a lot. The rest of the category, we might、um, not go into so much detail. Some of these herbs, are, some of the herbs we'll get into, are a little bit less important. So our next one is Zizuye Perillifolium. Zizuye Perillifolium. This is、uh, in Japanese, I believe. This is called Shiso leaf. Zutsuye. If you get、um, if you get sushi, at, at least if you get like supermarket sushi in America, a lot of times they'll have the sushi and then they'll have the、um, ginger and the wasabi, and between that they have a little divider that's a little green leafy thing.、Uh, modern times, that's a, a piece of plastic just to keep the, the two separate. But I think traditionally. That green, that green piece of plastic is representing shiso leaf or zutsuye, and so that's what it is. We'll we'll kind of get into that later. So zutsuye perillifolium, zutsuye perilla leaf.、Um, like all herbs in this category, it promotes sweating to release the exterior. Maybe what we can say about zutsuye perillifolium in releasing the exterior, it's a little bit more mild. And actually, that's a good thing. That's kind of what we want because mahuang and guizhou are a little bit stronger, so it's it's used for more serious conditions. But sometimes, if we just have like a common cold or we have the sniffles, we don't need that major diaphoretic action of ephedra. We just need to very gently release the exterior, and so that's why we can go to something like zutsuye. So later in formula class, we'll learn、um, a formula called 
Xiang uh, Susan. We have one called Xiang Susan and one called Jia Wei Xiang Susan, augmented cypress and perilla leaf powder. And basically, this formula was created because they looked at Ma, some people looked at Ma Huang and Gui and said, that's way too strong for what we're dealing with here. We don't need to promote that much sweating. If we give this patient Ma Huang, we're just going to disperse their upright qi and it's not going to be good. If someone just has a common cold, we don't need the strength of Ma Huang. Let's just give them Zutsu Ye along with some herbs that regulate qi. And so that's why they created Xiang Susan, Cypress and Perilla Leaf Powder. And so that's kind of the advantage here that Zutsu Ye is a little bit more mild. The other specialty of Zutsu Ye is that it regulates middle jiao qi. So for things like nausea, vomiting, and morning sickness. So this is good, say you have uh, something like a stomach flu, where you have, uh, you're sick, you have fever and chills and a floating pulse, but you also have upset stomach. Well, here we can use Zitsu Ye because it does both at the same time. And again, later when we get into formula class, we're gonna learn a formula called Huoshan Zhengqi San, uh, patchouli uh, rectified qi powder. Huoshang Zhengqi San is for that stomach flu. It's fever and chills, you're feeling sick, but you're also having upset stomach, you have nausea, vomiting, you might have vomiting and diarrhea at the same time, we call that sudden turmoil. And so the chief herb there is Huoshang, which it releases the exterior and calms the stomach, but it also has Zitsu Ye as an ingredient because Zitsu Ye both releases the exterior, but it also regulates qi in the middle jiao. So we're doing both at once. This next one is maybe a little bit controversial. We say Zitsu Ye calms the fetus for restless fetus due to middle jiao qi stagnation. So Zitsu Ye, we can also say it calms restless fetus. So I guess first of all, we should say, what do we mean by restless fetus? Basically, this is when we say restless fetus, we can say excessive movement or excessive kicking of the fetus in a pregnant woman. And some amount of movement, some amount of kicking is normal. That's, that's completely fine. But if it becomes excessive, what we worry about is the possibility of a miscarriage. And so when, when there's a lot of movement and a lot of uh, kicking and things like that, they would say, oh, the, the fetus is getting restless. There might be different reasons why. It might be heat. It might be cheese stagnation. It might be cold. The fetus is getting restless. We need to, we need to calm it down in order to deal with a miscarriage. This can also mean things like sometimes we have patients that we can say um, threaten miscarriage, so we're worried that a miscarriage might happen. We can also say this is good for habitual miscarriage. Sometimes the patient just has a history of they, they can get pregnant, but then a few months in, they, they have a miscarriage, and that's happened several times. We can call that habitual miscarriage. Or we can also say bleeding during pregnancy would, be, uh, would also fall in this category of restless fetus. Now, I say with Zitsuye, this is a little bit controversial because technically in Bensky, he does say Zitsuye calms restless fetus. It's not listed as a major action. We have other herbs where calms restless fetus gets its own bullet point. It's really a major action. With Zitsuye, it's not there. It's kind of underneath uh, regulates middle jiaoqi. It kind of says, oh yeah, it also calms restless fetus. And so I did have one Chinese teacher who just outright disagreed with us. He said, no, this is wrong. Zitsuye does not calm restless fetus. It's good for morning sickness. If a, if a patient is pregnant and they have a lot of nausea and vomiting due to morning sickness, Zitsuye works really well. But it doesn't actually calm restless fetus. 
And to be honest, I'm inclined to agree. Basically, we have when we get into formulas, we I can think of two or three different formulas that are specifically used to calm restless fetus. We have like Shou Taiwan, fetal longevity pill. We have Taishan Panchersan, um, Taishan bedrock um, pill. And so we have several formulas that are used to calm restless fetus, and it turns out Zutsuye is not an ingredient in those formulas. However, when you look at the modifications of those formulas, it will say, oh, if a person has restless fetus and they have morning sickness, then add in some Zutsuye. And so I think maybe that's a thing is we we will still use it in cases of restless fetus if there's morning sickness. Does it actually calm restless fetus by itself? I don't really know. Bensky says yes. Other people say no. If you get this question on a test or get a, on a board exam, I would definitely say yes. Zutsuye calms restless fetus because that's what it says in Bensky. But really, if we wanted to treat morning sickness, it turns out uh, Zutsuye, ye means leaf. Zutsuye is the leaf. If we want to um, treat morning sickness, nausea, vomiting, it might be better to use the stem, Zutsugang, uh, in order to treat this. And then, if anything, number three, zutsuye, we say it detoxifies seafood poisoning. So, again, maybe you can think about that. This is shiso leaf. It was usually served alongside sushi. And so, if you were, like, eating some raw fish and it turned out to be not good raw fish and you get some nausea vomiting, you can take zutsuye perillifolium to help with that nausea and vomiting. So kind of the things we want to remember is Zutsuye, perillifolium, it releases the exterior, but it's a little bit more mild. And then the second major thing is it regulates middle jiaochi, especially good for nausea, vomiting, and morning sickness. So when we look at the taste and temperature, of course it's warm and acrid. We're in the category warm acrid herbs that release the exterior, so it's warm and acrid. But then notice it's also aromatic. Remember we said the aromatic it transforms dampness, but really the aromatic property awakens the spleen so that it can perform its job of moving the chi and, and doing digestion. So the fact that this is good for nausea, vomiting, and morning sickness, we can maybe relate that to the fact that it's aromatic in nature. Entering channels are the lung and the spleen. Of course, it enters a lung because we're releasing the exterior. Lung governs the opening and closing of pores. But we also say it enters a spleen channel because it regulates middle jiao chi. It's good for nausea, vomiting, morning sickness. So it makes sense that it enters the spleen channel. As for the name of this herb, zzz means purple. So zzz is a color. So again, we, in intro class, we usually go over the colors. Uh, huang means yellow, zzz means purple. Su means reviving, and ye means leaf. So ye is another plant part. So zzu ye is purple reviving leaf. So at least there are different there are different species of of this one, but at least the one we have on our sample, it's green on one side and purple on the other. So that's why I call it zutsuye, purple reviving leaf. And also brief uh, Chinese lesson lesson when we have the zzz, the z sound zzz, that's kind of it has a buzzing behind it. So zzz. so that color purple is pronounced zzz. Uh, so please don't say zi su yi. It's the the sort of su ye. So I think that's kind of a fun one to say. Zi su ye, perillifolium. Mildly releases the exterior and it's good for the middle jowl. After that, we get into jingjie, schizonepeta herba. Jingjie, jingjie. I believe this one is, some people call this Japanese catnip.
I guess maybe、um, cats in Japan prefer a different type of catnip, but Jinjie, Skitsuna Peta Herba. Jinjie, like everything in this category, it promotes sweating to release the exterior. No surprise, that's what everything does. But we want to pay attention to here is its temperature. We say its temperature is slightly warm. Technically, slightly warm, but it's really almost neutral in temperature. And what that means is we can use it for both wind cold or wind heat, depending on the combination. So when we get into our formula class, we're going to see Jingjie show up in in formulas both for wind cold and wind heat. I think for wind cold we use in things like Renshin Baidusan. For wind heat, it shows up in things like Yinchaosan. So Jingjie Skitsuna Peta Herba because it's almost neutral in temperature, we can use it for both wind cold and wind heat depending on how we combine it. The other thing is Jingjie Skitsuna Peta Herba is especially good for rashes. We say rashes due to wind heat, and so again, this is something. If we were dealing like with like long-standing eczema or something like that, or something that's been going on for a long time, I wouldn't necessarily think to use. Eh, I might use Jingjie, but but sometimes you get people that they have、uh, fever and chills, and then but they also like broke out in a rash or broke out in hives. That we can Jingjie as part of its releasing and venting. It's also good for rash. And again, rash is something that we normally associate with wind heat, but Jingjie we can use it for both wind cold or wind heat. So later, when we get into the wind heat category, we're going to have a couple herbs that are especially good for rash. We just have to remember to add jingjie to that category. So jingjie is for wind cold or wind heat, and it's also good for rash. The other thing, jingjie can be used charred to stop bleeding. So if you remember, in either in the beginning or in intro class, we talk about powder, the methods of preparation that we can. Prepare the herbs in different ways in order to enhance or alter their effects. We said, oh, we can stir fry it in honey to make it more tonifying. We can stir fry it in wine to make it more invigorating. Another thing we can do to herbs is we can char them to create or enhance the ability to stop bleeding. And so, and so, this is something that's going to be very common, especially when we get into the clear heat category. We're going to see a lot of herbs that are used charred. To stop bleeding,、um, and when you get to formula class, I think we actually have a formula called Shurhui San, ten partially charred substances powder. So we basically we took ten different herbs and we charred them all and we put them together in a formula, and that formula stops bleeding. Actually, I don't think Jingjie is in that formula, but that's just an example of using herbs charred to stop bleeding. So when we we char it, it's called Jingjie Tan. Tan just means charred. So With jirtsa, when it's charred, it becomes jirtsa tan.、Um, Dahuang, I think we can char it, it becomes dahuang tan. So tan just means charred. So we can use jingjie charred to stop bleeding. It's called jingjie tan. So again, when we look at、um, the taste and temperature, we're in warm acrid release the exterior. So of course, it's warm and acrid. But again, it's only slightly warm or almost neutral in temperature. So that's something we want to remember about jingjie skitsunapeta herba. When you look at the entering channels, we can see it enters the lung and liver channels. Again, it enters a lung channel because we're releasing the exterior. Also, we said this is good for skin rash. Remember, the lung governs the skin, so things that affect the skin tend to enter the lung channel. So it makes sense that jingjie enters the lung channel. 
And then we say the liver channel. Basically, anytime an herb has anything to do with blood, it usually enters the liver channel. The liver stores the blood. So if we're invigorating blood, if we're tonifying blood, if we're stopping bleeding, those herbs tend to enter the liver channel. So because jingjie can be used charred to stop bleeding, we say it enters the liver channel. So that is jingjie schizonepeta herba, jingjie. Fang Fang, Saposhnikovia radix. Fang Fang. Fang Fang, Saposhnikovia. This also it used to go by the name Lediborelia. So if you have an older book, it might call this Lediborelia root, but now we call it Saposhnikovia radix. So Fang Fang, Fang Fang, Fang Fang is another one that we say it's slightly warm, but it's almost neutral in temperature. So in releasing the exterior, we can use it for both wind cold and wind heat depending on how we combine it. So when we start using formulas, you might see this pop up a lot. Fong Fong dispels wind cold damp from the channels to treat B syndrome. So again, we said B syndrome is painful obstruction syndrome or impediment syndrome. There's an external wind cold damp pathogen blocking the channels, creating arthritis-like pain. Fong Fong can dispel this wind cold damp to treat B syndrome and relieve that arthritis-like pain. Fong Fong relieves spasm and contraction. Again, we can maybe think of this as wind, that wind can cause things to seize up. Wind can also cause uh, tremor and things like that. So for trembling hands and feet, for lockjaw, uh, for tenesmus, uh, tenesmus is like a cramping of the intestines. I had one teacher who would say that uh, tenesmus, he would describe it as tenesmus is like the dry heaves of the anus. Um, I'm not sure that's entirely true. I think if you look up tenesmus, it's like uh, urgent defecation, but then you have to. But then after you go, you have to go again right away or something like that. Um, basically, in Chinese, we can. There's a term we can use: intestinal wind, which sounds kind of weird. But basically, uh, fong fong is going to show up in cases of that um, painful contraction. Uh, with defecation or painful diarrhea. So later we're we're gonna learn a formula called like special formula for painful diarrhea. Tong she yao feng zan, um, and that's feng feng is there. And so when we say oh it's good for intestinal wind, it's good for painful diarrhea. That's what we mean here by tenesmus, I think. So, but relieve spasm and contraction. Detoxifies mercury and arsenic poisoning. This one, I'm not sure this is actually in Bensky. This might just come from my notes from my Chinese teacher. So maybe don't worry about that one. If someone has mercury poisoning, go to the hospital. Um, but basically, uh, feng feng, remember feng means wind. Like feng shui is wind water. So feng feng, the name means guard against wind or protect from wind. So basically, Fong Fong is good for all the types of wind. It's good for wind cold. It's good for wind heat. It's good for internal wind. It's good for external wind. It's good for wind in the channels, as in B syndrome. It's good for wind, as in spasm and contraction. It's good for wind in the upper body. It's good for wind in the lower body. It's good for all the types of wind. Fong Fong, guard against wind, protective wind. This is the king of wind herbs. It does all the wind. The problem here is sometimes people will say, well, if it does all the things, why don't we just always use Fong Fong? Um, and I think the answer to that is even though it does all the things, 
it doesn't really have a specialty in any one of them. So it's not especially strong in any one of them. So it's very it would be very unusual to see Fong Fung as a chief herb, but it is used very often as an auxiliary auxiliary herb in our formulas for all types of wind. When heat, when cold, B syndrome, internal wind, external wind, wind in the upper body, wind in the lower body, Fong Fung is good for all the types of wind. And again, the name means guard against wind or protect from wind. Next is Qiang Huo Nototurgii Rhizoma Su Radix. Qiang Huo, Qiang Huo Nototurgii Rhizoma Su Radix. So whenever you see Qiang Huo, think dampness. Qiang Huo, think dampness. Uh, in addition to being warm and acrid, it's also bitter and aromatic. Remember, the bitter flavor dries dampness. Remember, the aromatic flavor transforms dampness. So, Qiang Huo, think dampness. So, Qiang Huo, in releasing the exterior, its specialty is it's good for releasing the exterior with accompanying signs of dampness. So, things like joint pain, body heaviness, sleepiness, or lethargy. It's basically like you got this dampness and it's weighing you down. Qiang Huo is good for the dampness. So I think in, in formula class, our formula is called Jiu Wei Qiang Huo Tang, Nine Ingredient Nototerygium Powder. Um, so Jiu Wei Qiang Huo San is a, is a formula for an external attack of wind cold with dampness. The other thing we should know about it in releasing the exterior is it's especially good for headache, specifically Taiyang or occipital headache. So you might remember when we talk about headache, we talk about headache on different types parts of the head. So frontal headache is a Yang Ming headache. Uh, temporal headache is Shaoyang headache. Headache in the back of the head is a Taiyang headache. Jueyin is a vertex headache. So Qiang Huo, besides being really good for dampness, it also treats Taiyang or occipital headache. And again, with dampness, we say it dispels wind, cold, damp to treat B syndrome. Again, I'm not sure if I explained this very well, but when we say B syndrome, B means, uh, Bensky says, painful obstruction syndrome. Nigel Weissman says impediment syndrome. And the idea here is we have an external environmental wind, cold, damp pathogen that invades the, the body and it obstructs or impedes the normal flow of qi through the channels. Because of that obstruction, we get pain. When the qi is not free-flowing, we get pain. And so it's kind of like an arthritis pain. So maybe one way you can think about this is, you know, some people, they, ha they have this like arthritis in their knee and they can tell when it's going to rain. Or they, they say, they oh, I have this arthritis in my knee, and it gets worse when the weather is cold. Basically, their pain is responding to the cold because they have this environmental wind-cold damp going into the channels causing pain. And so that's B syndrome. And so Qiang Huo, because it's so good for dampness, it's also good for wind-cold dampness. It treats B syndrome, especially B syndrome in the upper body. So Qiang Huo is good for B syndrome in the upper body. Later, we're going to learn another herb called Du Huo, which is good for B syndrome in the lower body. So Qiang Huo for the upper body, Du Huo for the lower body. But uh, Qiang Huo, I would think dampness. Again, it's warm. It's not only warm and acrid, but it's bitter and aromatic to deal with the dampness. 
kidney and UB is a little bit weird. Um, basically, uh, it, it enters the UB channel because we're again we're dealing with this occipital headache, tie-on headache. That's where the UB channel goes. Kidney. Uh, some books say this actually enters both the kidney and liver channels, and that's because when we're dealing with B syndrome, that's a condition of the tendon and bone. So tendon and bone, kidney governs the bone, liver governs the tendon. So that's why I say kidney and liver for tendon and bone. And when you have B syndrome, they say, oh, this wind cold damp pathogen, it's hanging out between the tendons and the bones. That's why. That's kind of a long convoluted answer. I wouldn't worry about it too much. Chiang Hu think dampness. Gao Ben, Ligustiki rhizoma. Gao Ben, Gao Ben. We have two third tones in a row. The first one changes into a second tone. So let's see, it would be Gao Ben. Not very good at Chinese. Gao Ben, Ligustiki rhizoma. This one I think is not a very common herb, so um, you might not see this herb used very often, but what we can say about this herb is its specialty in releasing the exterior. Notice that in its entering channel, it enters the dew channel or the governing vessel. And that's a little bit unusual. When we look at herbs entering channels, we usually talk about the 12 primary channels. Because when we say herbs enter channels, we really mean they enter organs. But anyway, when it, this is kind of unusual that it enters the dew channel or the governing vessel. Remember the dew channel goes up the spine, starts at the starts at the tailbone, goes up the spine, goes to the vertex, and then comes back down the front. So this one, Gao Ben, enters the dew channel. So we say it's good for headache, but especially for occipital headache and vertex headache, because that's where the dew channel goes. Think about like dew 16 back here on the back of the neck. Think about dew 20 at the vertex. Um, do 16. I pointed to do 14. Um, that's where the do channel goes. And then we also say it dispels wind dampness and it's especially good for acute low back pain. And so again, this is where the do channel goes. The do channel goes up the spine. So that's something we say about Gao Ben is it treats the do channel at both ends. So it treats the do channel as in the low back. It treats the do channel as in the, the vertex and um, occipital headache. So Gao Ben, Ligustiki rhizoma, that's why I remember about this one, is it enters the dew channel. We're going to especially see it for headache. Bai Jur, uh, Angelica de Huracai radix. Bai Jur, Bai Jur, Angelica de Huracai radix. We have a couple types of Angelica. Later we'll learn an Angelica sinensis. Bai Jur, Angelica. Uh, bai means white. Jur, uh, I think, is just the the name of the the herb, but jur just mean like angelica. But bi means white, so if you look at your herb sample, it's white. And this one I can remember if you smell it, it smells kind of like maple syrup or smells kind of like pancakes. Now, if you have a box of herb samples, a lot of times I tell people to smell their herbs, and it's like, oh, my herbs just smell like Chinese herbs because I put like fifty herbs together in a box, but. If you're like in a clinic and you and you have jars of herbs, if you want to take this out and smell it, this one has a very distinctive smell. Uh, I think it smells like pancakes. Um, but by jur, it promotes sweating to release the exterior, and here it has two specialties. So all of, all herbs in this category promote sweating to release the exterior to treat wind cold attacks. By jur, Angelica de Huraca radix has two specialties. One, it relieves Yang Meng headache. Remember, say Yang Ming headache, we mean frontal headache. 
So Yang Ming is Yang Ming is stomach and large intestine. So remember the stomach channel actually starts at LI20, but the stomach channel starts there. Stomach one is below the eye. So the stomach channel is on the face. Remember stomach eight is at the corner of the head. Uh, large intestine channel goes to the nose. So maybe that's how you can remember Yang Ming, stomach and large intestine is frontal headache because that's where those channels go. Remember the, I think the LI sinew channel wraps around the top of the head. So Yang Ming headache, we mean frontal headache because that's where the stomach and large intestine channels go. So Biger, Angelica Dehurica erratix in releasing the exterior, it's especially good for uh, Yang Ming headache. It's also especially good for opening the nasal orifices. So if you have stuffy nose or nasal congestion, Biger can help open up the nasal orifices. Which I feel like those kind of go together because again, Yang Ming means stomach and large intestine. Uh, think about like LI-20 right next to the nose. The stomach channel actually starts at LI-20 and then it goes up to the eye. So Yang Ming, you might also think of the nose as well. So Yang Ming headache and blockage of the nose kind of go together in my mind. We also say that Baijiu is good for swelling and pus for like sores, carbuncles, mastitis. Um, yeah, it also eliminates dampness for vaginal discharge. In the so for dampness in the lower jaw, so good for dampness. Uh, so that that kind of goes along with pus. That comes up a couple times, really. I would if it's like if you were short on mental capacity and you could only remember one or two things about Baijiu, I would say the important ones are it's good for Yang Ming headache and opens nasal orifices. This it's true it does that, but. I wouldn't worry about that so much. And again, bai just means white. This is a white herb. Jur, I think, just means angelica. I don't think it means anything special. Again, it's warm and acrid because we're in the warm, acrid, release the exterior category. It enters the lung because we're releasing the exterior. Also enters the spleen and stomach. So we're dealing with Yang Ming headache and nasal congestion. So it makes sense that it enters the stomach channel because that's a Yang Ming channel. Also, a lot of times when you see things with pus, uh, these herbs just enter the stomach channel as well because pus is like flesh that's been anyway. But then also dampness. So it enters the spleen channel because it's good for dampness as well. So those entering channels should make sense kind of. Shishin, Asaria, Asari, Radix, et Rhizoma. Shishin, Shishin, Asari, Radix, et Rhizoma. Shishin, Shishin. Um, Shishin means, the name of this herb means thin, acrid. <clears throat> so, um, Shi means thin, like we have a pulse called shimai, the thin pulse or fine pulse or thready pulse. So thin, so shi means thin. Shin means acrid. When we talk about the five tastes or the five flavors, shin means acrid or pungent or spicy. Spicy is not a good translation. For spicy, we, we would say la, like lots of jiding. However, I did have a Chinese teacher named uh, Dr. Sheen. And so we'd kind of make fun of him like, oh, Dr. Sheen, he's like Dr. Spicy. And he'd be like, oh, only my wife calls me that. So Shi Sheen means thin acrid. If you look at your herb sample, it looks very thin. It's like little, the, the roots are really thin. Those roots almost kind of look like little channels. 
Shishin uh, shin means acrid, so this this herb is very acrid. We say it's piercingly acrid. Shishin, thin acrid. Um, Bens- mo- uh, most books put this in the warm acrid release the exterior category. Some books put it in the warm the interior category. So I guess we'll get to that. So shishin means thin acrid. It promotes sweating to release the exterior. And it's especially good for pain due to cold. Um, so for headache kind of any type of headache or body ache. Again, we said we get that wind-cold attack that can that can cause body aches. Shishin is especially good for pain due to cold, either headache or body ache. Shishin, Asari radix at rhizoma, also warms the lung. Also warms the lung. And this is this is important because this is kind of an unusual function. We don't have a lot of herbs in our Materia Medica with the specific function warms the lung. And I think that's why some books put this in the warm the interior category. And so when you say warms the lung, it's especially for profuse, thin, white, bubbly phlegm. So if we have a a cold pathogen inside the lung, that's going to congeal the fluids. We could say it obstructs the water metabolism of the lung, and it also congeals those fluids into phlegm. So we end up with profuse, thin, white, bubbly phlegm. Later, when we get into formulas class, we have a formula called Xiao Qing Long Tong, Minor Blue-Green Dragon Decoction. And this is a, a formula that's, uh, it has Ma Huang in it, so it's for a Taiyang excess pattern. But the besides fever and chills and absence of sweating, besides a floating tight pulse, one of our main symptoms for that formula is profuse white stringy phlegm. And so that formula is for cold entering the lung, congealing the fluids, causing this this phlegm. And it turns out shishin is an ingredient in that formula because it warms the lung. You can also say dispels wind-cold damp. It says for painful obstruction due to cold, basically B syndrome. So again, this is treating pain due to cold. So again, maybe you can look at your herb sample and see that these are very thin little roots. They look like channels, so they're good for cold in the channels. So that's shishin, thin acrid. Um, I put this note down here that uh, basically... Shishin, some books mark this not only warm and acrid, but also toxic. I think some books mark it toxic and some books don't. But kind of the idea behind it is for a while we couldn't use shishin. People said it was toxic. It contained aristolochic acid. But it turns out that's only when you use the leaf. That when you use the leaf and stems, that's those parts are toxic and contain aristolochic acid. But when we use the root, sorry, radix, then it's those parts parts aren't toxic, but we still there are still some books who mark this herb as toxic and notice that our dosage is smaller than normal, one to three grams. So I think up to now most of our herbs have been in the three to nine gram range. This one is in the one to three gram range. One just because it's so acrid, it's so piercingly acrid, but also because there's some possibility of toxicity. But normal, but really, if we stay in that range, if we use the roots, we stay in the one to three gram range, and we cook it, we we shouldn't have to worry about it. So that's shishin, thin acrid. Uh, for this one, think pain due to cold, and think of warming the lung. Shengjiang is ginger. Zingiberis rhizoma recens. Shengjiang. 
this one, I have to be very careful with my pronunciation because sometimes I'll get lazy and I'll say Shenzhang and Chinese, my Chinese teacher can't understand me. He'll be like, what are you talking about? So I have to say Shenzhang. That's a J-I. Jiang. Shenzhang. Not Shenzhang. 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 Uh, fresh ginger. So Shenzhang, in like all herbs here, it promotes swelling to release the exterior. But again, this one's kind of mild. This would be more like if you're if you have an early stage attack or you're starting to get sick, you're starting to get the sniffles. You could drink some ginger tea, or you could make a soup and make sure it has a lot of ginger in it. You can make like a miso soup and put some extra ginger in there. So in releasing the exterior, it's a little bit more mild, but it's good for those early stage attacks when you're just starting to feel the sniffles. Shengjiang, Zingiberis rhizoma, fresh ginger, also warms the middle jowl for nausea, vomiting due to cold in the stomach. So this is something that even people who don't study Chinese medicine usually know that you can drink ginger tea for an upset stomach. And so that's that still applies here. We just need to be careful that when we say nausea and vomiting, this is nausea and vomiting due to cold in the middle jowl. Shengjiang is a warm herb, so we use it for nausea and vomiting due to cold. Later on, we'll learn certain herbs that are good for nausea and vomiting due to heat. So we need to differentiate between heat and cold. So that's why in Chinese medicine, we look at the tongue, we take the pulse, and we make these differentiations. We don't just say, oh, you have an upset tummy, take ginger tea. Shengjiang is for uh, upset stomach due to cold. Shengjiang, Zingiberis rhizoma, is another one that warms the lung for that profuse, thin, white, bubbly phlegm. I think normally we might prefer dried ginger in that case, but Shengjiang also does it. Shengjiang also has a detoxifying effect on other herbs. So there are other herbs. Uh, we might have talked about this in the intro class. Uh, certain herbs are marked toxic. And a lot of times we can either reduce or eliminate this toxicity using ginger. Sometimes this is a method of powder, of preparation. So when we talked about like Futsa aconite. Futsa aconite is toxic in its raw form. When we prepare it with ginger, it becomes jerfutsa and its toxicity is reduced. Same thing with bansha, a panelia rhizoma. Bansha is toxic in its raw form. We prepare it with ginger and that it becomes jerbansha and that reduces its toxicity. Sometimes we'll just add ginger to the formula as well. We don't necessarily have to stir fry the herb in ginger. We'll just add ginger to the formula it can, and it can help with um, those. So, if a, so sometimes we'll see that used in formulas. If a, some of the herbs are slightly toxic or cause an upset stomach, we can add ginger to the formula as well. Um, but really, I, for this one, I would mostly remember it releases the exterior, but it's mild. We tend to use it for early stage. And it's good for warming the middle jowl, that nausea, vomiting, upset stomach due to cold. Uh, sheng means, in this, in this case, it means raw. Sheng, this is the same when we talk about the five phases. We talk about the sheng cycle and the ke cycle. It turns out this is the same character, sheng. So there it means generating or engendering or giving birth. When we talk about uh, yang sheng, nourishing life, that's the same sheng. There, sheng means life. So sheng kind of means to give birth, to engender life alive. Here, this is like ginger that's still alive. It's raw ginger. So that's sheng. Yang just means ginger. And um, this actually comes up a, a couple times. So um, 
what am I thinking of? Jiang Huang, turmeric is in the ginger family, and so they call that yellow ginger. So Jiang is, that's another word we'll see come up a few times in herbs, but Sheng Jiang is fresh ginger. Enters the lung channel because it's releasing the exterior. Enters the spleen and stomach channel because it warms the middle jowl. Also enters the lung channel because it warms the lung. Sometimes with our dosage, we can't say five to nine grams. Sometimes it's not worth it to weigh it out. We just say slices. And I think usually we say two to four slices and our slices are about the thickness of a quarter or a thickness of a coin, depending on where you are. Um, boop, 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 so that's Shangjiang fresh ginger. Oh, yeah, technically Bensky says Shengjiang pea. Pea means peel. So Shengjiang pea is ginger peel. And technically Bensky puts this in the warm, he talks about this in the warm acrid release the exterior category. I wouldn't necessarily put it here because really the only time we use this is to promote urination to treat edema for what we call skin edema or edema just under the skin. And so this is gonna come up a lot, that word um, pee in Chinese when we talk about plant parts. Pee means skin, so when we say the lung governs the skin, that's the word we use is pee. In, in herbs, pee just means the skin or the outer layer. So sometimes it means bark, sometimes it means peel. Um, but basically, a lot of these things that it's like the skin of the plant so it's good for the skin of your body. So it's a doctrine of signature. So this is the skin of fresh ginger. So it's good for edema under the skin. Um, but as far as I know, I'm not sure people really use this to release the exterior, harmonize the middle jaw. The only places I see this come up is specifically when we're dealing with edema. And Bensky will make the note that this is actually cool in temperature. I'm not sure why the root is warm, but the skin is cool, but it's cool in temperature and its dosage is smaller. So Shengjiang P, I would prefer that this would be in the drain dampness category. Later, we're going to talk about herbs that drain dampness that promote urination. Let's talk about it more there, but just know that technically Bensky does talk about it in the warm acrid release exterior category. So Shengjiang is fresh ginger. Shengjiang P is the peel or the skin of fresh ginger. Tongbai, uh, Tongbai, Ali Fistulosi Balbis, Tongbai, Tongbai, Ali sounds like, uh, sounds like garlic. I think onions and garlic are probably related in the same family. Tongbai is scallion, which is also called green onion, or in England, I believe it's called spring onion. So Tongbai is, uh, scallion. And again, it promotes weighing to release the exterior, like everything in this category, but this one, again, is mild. It's more for early stage. So this would be like, if you're just starting to get sick, you could take some ginger and songbai. If you were like starting to catch a cold, in America, people say chick drink chicken noodle soup. Maybe in Asia, it would be more like take a miso soup with a lot of ginger and scallion in it because that will promote sweating to release the exterior. So if you're going to make chicken noodle soup, just make sure you add in some ginger and scallion and onion and other acrid or pungent things to help release the exterior. So this would be more like early stage wind cold, um, wind cold or wind heat when you're just starting to feel sick, you just have a tickle in your throat, or if you're, you're feeling a little congested, congested, you can make a soup of ginger and scallion. 
It also warms the stomach. Think about like this is a type of onion. Onions are warm. It can also be used externally as a poultice. Yes, that's technically true. You could take some song by and pound it until it's kind of pulpy and apply it externally for uh, sores and abscesses. And um, so that's song by here. Someone is asking, is that Vietnamese onion? I don't think so. I think this is still like if you just go to a regular grocery store and get um, green onion or spring onion or scallion. That's just what it is. I think it's actually the same as regular onion. They just pick it before the bulb forms. Um, so that's uh, scallion. Tong bai. Oh, uh, quick Chinese. Whenever you see a C that has a TS sound, so you say tzu, tzu. And you can tell you're doing it right because when you put your hand in front of your face, you feel some air hitting your hand. Tzu, tzu. So when we when you say this herb, this is tong bai. Please do not say kong bai. It's tong bai. So it has a tia sound. Tzu, tzu, tong bai. Um, bai just means white. Xiang ru, mosla herba. Xiang ru. Xiang Ru, I, I can't do tones very well. Let's just say it's Xiang Ru. Xiang Ru. Xiang Ru, Mosla Herba. Think, when you see this one, think summer heat. Maybe I shouldn't say that because technically it's not really for summer heat. This is for wind cold that is contracted during the summer months. So, kind of the idea here is it's during the summer, you're, it's really hot outside. And so you try to escape the heat. And in so days of yore, this would be you go into dark, cool caves, you drink lots of cold water, you bathe in the cold river. And so it's really hot, but you did all these, those cold things. You end up with an external attack of wind cold, even though it's hot outside. More modern times, this would be like it's really hot outside, but you spend all your time in the air conditioning. And like when, when I went to school, I had people who would set the thermostat at 65 degrees. So people, it's, it's like 90 degrees outside, but people were wearing jackets to class because it was 65 degrees inside. So if, you're, if it's summertime outside and you're sitting underneath the air conditioning and you develop a wind-cold attack during the summer, we would use Xiangru. Uh, it turns out we also do use it for summer heat, especially when there's signs of dampness. Summer heat, and remember, summer heat is one of the six evils. Uh, we have two types of summer heat. We have summer heat heat and summer heat dampness. So it's just heat in the summer with some dampness. That's why we see things like urinary difficulty, um, water retention, because dampness is blocking the smooth flow of urine. But basically for Xiang Ru, I think we learned like two formulas. Like there are two formulas with Xiang Ru in it. I'm not sure we learned both of them. We might only learn one of them. But um, for Xiang Ru, it's uh, either for wind cold that happens during the summer or for summer heat dampness. So either one, Xiang Ru, I would think of summertime, summer heat. Xiang Ru, Mosul Herba. Xiang Ru, summertime. So it's slightly warm and acrid like everything. Aromatic, again, because we're dealing with some dampness. When we got this summer heat dampness, that aromatic is going to help with it. When we got edema with dampness accompanying exterior attack, that aromaticness is going to help with that. Uh, I think we're getting to the end here. Tsong Artsa, Tsong Artsa, Xanthiae fructus, Tsong Artsa. Song Arta, Xanthiae fructus, the thing to know about this one, releases the exterior, especially good for 
opening the nasal orifice. And so for this one, if you look at your herb sample, these are like little seeds and they have little spiky things. So I think about like sticking this up your nose and kind of helping dig out that nasal congestion. Um, sometimes in my classes, I would, I would tell this story about the time my brother stuck a rock up his nose. Um, so I, I have a brother. He's, I think he's two years older than me. He's a, uh, he went to Harvard. He's, he's a, a very, a very smart, rich person and. I, I can, but I can always remember, like, remember that time you stuck a rock up your nose? Like, why did you stick a rock up your nose? I don't know. We had to, had to take them to the doctor, and the doctor had to pull it out. And so, so for some reason with this herb, I think of sticking song arts up your nose to help dig out that stuff. So song arts is, it's good for nasal congestion. Dispels wind damp to treat bee syndrome. Yeah, it does that. Treats wind-related skin problems like eczema and rash. Yeah, it does that. The main thing I would think of for Tsong Artsa is disperses wind to open nasal orifice. So Tsong Artsa, Xanthia fructus, I would think opens the nasal orifices. It enters a lung channel because the lung opens to the nose. We do say it's slightly toxic. I think we say we get some symptoms like digestive problems, nausea, vomiting, abdominal pain. So when we say toxic, we don't mean you're going to die of kidney failure. We just mean if you take too much, you might get an upset stomach. And um, that's why we might, our dosage is technically three to nine grams. We might be a little bit more conservative with that. But Tsong Artsa, I would think of open in the nasal orifices. Tsong, Tsong means, is a color. Tsong means green, R means ear, and Z means seed. So Tsong Artsa is green ear seed. Maybe the seed looks like an ear. I don't know. I think it's sticking it up your nose because of nasal orifices. And again, remember, the C sound is pronounced with a T-S. So this is Tsong Artsa. Tsong Artsa. Please do not say Kang Erzi. If you say Kang Erzi, I will make fun of you. It is Tsong Artsa. Xanthii fructus opens the nasal orifices. Xin Hua, I think this is our last one. Xin Hua, magnolia floss. Xin Hua, Xin Hua is magnolia flower. And it's good for, again, just opening the nasal orifices. So you can think of Xin Hua is a flower. You can think about smelling the flowers. When you smell the flower, that opens up your nose. So Xin Hua, magnolia flower. Again, Hua is a plant part. So Hua means flower. So we had um, z means seed, zhi means twig, and hua means flower. So xin yi hua is magnolia flower. The thing we have to be careful about here is if you get your herb sample and actually look at it, this is a flower. It's like a little flower bud, but it's very fuzzy. And so what can happen is if you cook this in decoction, a lot of times those fuzzies can get stuck in your throat and cause throat irritation. So that's why we say it's good to put this either wrap it in gauze or put it in a bag or put it in a tea bag or do something just so those fuzzies don't come out in the decoction. So when we say put this in a cloth bag, if you forget to do that, you're not, it's not like your patient's going to die. It's just those fuzzies can come out in the decoction and irritate the throat. So that's why we say xin yi hua, put it in a paper bag to help with the throat. So again, xin yi hua opens the nasal orifices. Remember at this point, we've learned a couple herbs so far that are good for opening nasal orifices. One of them was Bai Jur, Angelica de Hurricai Radix. One of them was Tsong Artsa, Xanthii Fructus. And now we have Xin Yi Hua, Magnolia Floss, Magnolia Flower. 
And so these three herbs are good for opening the nasal orifices. It turns out we have a formula called Song Artsasan. Song Artsasan is for uh, deep source nasal congestion. In Chinese, it's called B-U-N, uh, deep source nasal congestion. Song Artsasan has four ingredients. Song Artsa, Baijer, Xinihua, and then we throw in mint leaf. So that's, that's something good to know. And if you want to go through and kind of group your herbs with similar functions, maybe go through our list and see which ones are good for headache. Maybe go through our list and see which ones are good for uh, our neutral and temperature that can be used for heat and cold. You can also look at which ones are good for opening the nasal orifices. So you can remember Song Artsa, Xinihua, and Bai Zhe are all good for opening the nasal orifices. We have an exo one here, Ubu Shirtsao. Ubu Shirtsao. This is kind of a fun one. Uh, this one, it looks funny just because this herb, at least when I was in school, this herb was not on our syllabus. I'm pretty sure this herb is not on the NCCUM list. I would have to check to make sure. But uh, it's still a, a commonly used herb, and it was an herb that we had in our school clinic, even though we didn't learn it in class. So I just like to mention this. Ubu Shirtsao. This is a fun one. U means geese, bu means not, shir means to eat, tsao is just a general term for herb. So bu shir tsao means geese don't eat herb. This is the grass that geese won't eat. So that's that's kind of a funny way to, to name, a, name a plant. I say, oh, this is the one that the geese don't eat. And basically this also um, opens the nasal orifices. This is just good for clearing out the face in general. So we see like red and dry eyes, especially when there's red and dry eyes. And so this is something that when I was in Kentucky, we use this a lot because it was very common for people to have allergies. And so even if you had just um, an attack of wind cold where you have stuffy nose, but also red eyes and blocked ears, you might use Ubu Shirtsal. When we're dealing with uh, allergies, when a person has a blocked nose, but they also have red, itchy eyes, you might use Ubu Shirtsal. Just the, um, the thing to remember about this is large dosages of Ubu Shirtsal. When we say large, we don't actually mean that large. Sometimes just even in the six to nine grams range, uh, these dosages can cause upset stomach. And I swear that this is something I did multiple times when I was like having a stuffy, like I had allergies or something. I had a stuffy nose and Ubu Shirtsao, I, I would just make it as a tea. I was basically, I would go to our, our herb room and I was too lazy to weigh out the herbs. I was just like, oh, I'll just take a pinch of Ubu Shirtsao and put it in tea. And then it turned out I took too much and I got an upset stomach. And you would think I would learn from that, but I feel, I swear I did that like two or three more times where it's like, oh, I'll, I'll, it'll be fine. I'll just take a pinch and it'll be fine. And I end up with like, not just like, oh, I feel a little bit nauseous, but like cramping stomach pain. If that happens, uh, take ginger tea. Ginger tea is kind of the antidote I found to that. So if you take too much Ubu Shirtsao and you get like cramping in your stomach, take some ginger tea and that will clear it out. So Ubu Shirtsao, the grass that geese don't eat. So sometimes, sometimes we do use that, um, but just uh, be careful about your dosage. So just to go back over these, um, we had two, four, six, eight, 10, 12, 15 herbs. So our first two herbs are Ma Huang and Gui Zhe. These were our Shang Han Lun herbs. Remember Ma Huang, ephedra herba, was for Taiyang excess, fever and chills without sweating. Gui Zhe, more for Taiyang deficiency, fever and chills with sweating. 
But we have to remember all those other things about these two herbs. These are two very important herbs. So Ma Huang, Ephedra Herba, promotes sweating to release the exterior, but it also stops cough and wheezing. It diffuses Long Qi to stop coughing and wheezing, and also promotes urination to treat edema. Gui when we said it releases the exterior, we specifically said it releases the muscle layer. So it's good for uh, tight neck and shoulders, body ache. Wager had also had all those warming and unblocking functions. So it warms the middle jowl, it warms the chest for, to treat palpitations, it warms the UB for urinary retention, it warms the channels for B syndrome, it warms to move blood. So Wager had all those warming and unblocking functions. So those two herbs are very important. We need to know everything about those two herbs. Zitsuye, perillifolium. Zitsuye means purple reviving leaves. Zitsuye mildly releases the exterior, so we can use it for like more like common cold type symptoms. Zitsuye is also good for regulating middle jiao qi, good for nausea, vomiting, morning sickness, calming restless fetus. So in addition to entering the lung channel, it also enters the spleen stomach channel because it's good for that nausea, vomiting, morning sickness. Jinjie, Schizonopeta herba, Japanese catnip. Jinjie is one that it's more, it's slightly warm but neutral in temperature, so we can use it for both wind cold and wind heat. Jinjie is also especially good for rashes, and Jinjie is also, um, we can use it charred to stop bleeding. And so this is Japanese catnip. Maybe think about like a cat scratching you, and now you're bleeding, so you have to use Jinjie to stop bleeding. But you have to use it charred. I feel like I had something else like this. Like like cats, they're like they're hot and they're cold. They're yes and they're no. They're in and they're out. They're up and they're down. Uh, so Jingjie is good for both wind heat and wind cold. Fong Fong, Sapotionicovia radix, aka Lederborrelia root. Fong Fong, the name means protect against wind or guard against wind. So it's good for all types of wind. Wind heat, wind cold, wind dampness, internal wind, external wind, wind in the upper body, wind in the lower body intestinal wind, whatever that means, like painful diarrhea, feng feng, good for all the wind. Qiang huo, think dampness. Qiang huo, whenever you see, see qiang huo in the name of a formula, it's because you have wind cold with dampness. Um, jiu wei qiang huo tong is good for wind cold with dampness. There's another formula with qiang huo in the name that I can't think of right now, but it's good for dampness. Whenever you see qiang huo, think dampness. Also good for B syndrome, in the upper body. Qiang Huo is good for B syndrome in the upper body. Du Huo is B syn- good for B syndrome in the lower body. So Qiang Huo, think dampness. You know, B syndrome has an element of dampness in it. Gao Ben, not a super common one. This is the one that enters the Du channel. It treats both ends of the Du channel. So it's good for a vertex headache, occipital headache, and low back pain because that's where the Du channel goes. Bai uh, good for yangming headache, frontal headache, and also opens the nasal orifices. So when we talk about those three herbs that open the nasal orifices, Song Arzi, Xin Yi Hua, Bai was the other one, opens the nasal orifices. It does some stuff with dampness too, but you only have so much space in your brain for now if you just want to remember opens nasal orifices and yangming headache, I think that's totally fine. Xi xin means thin acrid. It's piercingly acrid. It's good for pain due to coldness. Pain anywhere in the body due to coldness also warms the lung. I like to emphasize that warming the lung part. I'm not sure anybody else cares about that. I think more, more people care about pain in the body due to cold. So this would be um, headache and body ache with a wind cold attack, or this could be wind cold damp B syndrome causing pain. 
Shangjiang is fresh ginger. It mildly releases the exterior. So if you're starting to get sick, make some, make some ginger tea, make some soup with ginger. Also warms the middle jowl for nausea, vomiting, warning sickness due to cold. Also warms the lung. But I think we tend to use other, we tend to use dry ginger more than fresh ginger, but also warms the lung, transforms um, phlegm, shangjiang releases the exterior. So those are all good. Shengjiang is a really common ingredient. A lot of times we'll add Shengjiang fresh ginger at the end of every formula just to help uh, with the middle jowl, help digest the herbs, help harmonize. Shengjiang pea is the skin of Shengjiang, so it's good for the skin of your body, especially edema right under the skin. Songbai is scallion or green onion or spring onion if you're, if you're from the UK. Tongbai is another one. It's just mildly releases the exterior. It's good for early stage exterior attacks. So if you, you're just starting to get sick, you got a tickle in your throat, you're getting a little bit stuffy, you can make a soup of, just make a soup and make sure it includes ginger and green onion. Xiangru, think summer. So wind cold that happens during the summer or summer heat dampness. We, again, we learned like two formulas with Xiangru in it and it's good as primarily used for either wind cold that happens during the summer or for summer heat dampness. Tsong Artsa opens nasal orifices. This looks like a little rock that you would stick up your nose. It's got some nice little spiky things. It's like using a pipe cleaner to clean out your nasal orifices. Xinyihua is a flower. So think about smelling the flowers, opens up the nasal orifices. This one, remember, it has some fuzzies to put it in a bag. So, so yeah, our nasal orifice ones were Xinyihua, Tsong Artsa, and Baijur. What were our headache ones? Um, headache, uh, I especially think of Bai Zhir for Yang Ming frontal headache, Gao Ben for occipital headache, uh, Qiang Huo was, I think, for Taiyang headache, and Xi Xin was good for headache in general. So, so maybe go back through and think about what are headache herbs. And I believe that is it for warm acrid herbs that release the exterior. So those were all our herbs. Hopefully that was helpful. Again, if you um, if you want to get the slides, you can download the slides. If we go to tcmstudy.net, go to herbology, click on the herbology one tab. This first section is warm acrid herbs that release the exterior. I do have another video out that's only like half an hour long. So if you don't want to sit through an hour and a half of me talking. There's a shorter, more concise video. You can also listen to the audio. Then there's two versions of the slides. You can download black and white, or you can download color photos uh, with color photos. There's also a practice test you can take. So you can say, what are the entering channels of Zitsuye? Zitsuye is purple reviving leaf. It releases the exterior, but it also harm regulates middle jiao chi to treat nausea, vomiting, and morning sickness. So if it releases the exterior, it probably enters a lung channel. If it's good for nausea, vomiting, it's good for the middle jiao, probably enters a spleen channel. So we know that Zitsuye enters the lung and spleen channel. How should Jingjie schizonopeta herb be prepared in order to enhance its ability to stop bleeding. This doesn't just apply to Jingjie, this applies to all the herbs that stop bleeding. If we want to do that, we should char it, Jingjie Tan. Uh, which one is this? Is uh, Tong Bai. Uh, does Song Bai strongly induce sweating? No. Does Song Bai open the nasal orifices? No. Does Song Bai treat summer heat dampness? No, that was Xiangru. Remember, Xiangru is good for summer heat. 
a song by mildly released exterior, especially used for wind, early stage wind cold. Um, so this is this is just a little practice test. You can go through this. Each time you refresh it, the um, questions will be in a different order. So that's something you can do. Again, if you want to, um, if you don't like slides, if you prefer flashcards, there's a link to that in the description below where it's basically the slides, but um, on one side, it's just the herb. You flip it over, it's got the functions. Again, some of them, some of them just have the picture. Some of them have some additional notes. Some of them are just in black and white. So here I specifically said Ma Huang means hemp yellow and put some little emojis there. So that's another thing you can do. You can download those. That's in the link in the description below. And like we said, this was a very in-depth. We spent almost two hours talking about warm acrid herbs that release the exterior. If you're studying for finals, if you're studying for your clinic entrance exam, if you're studying for boards and you don't want to listen to an hour or two hours of each category of herbs, I do have a single herb review course that you can, um, that's on Teachable. It's $40. Uh, I think I used to have a coupon code. If you type in coupon code Chai Hu, all one word, then um, that will give you $10 off. I think that one still works. So if you type in Chai Hu, all one word, that will give you $10 off uh, the course. So if you're studying for those, um, that's a review course I have down there. Basically, once you buy that, you have access to it forever. That goes through all of the herbs, all of the single herbs. And um, you pay for it once and you have it forever. So some, some people, they, they might use it to study for finals, and then they use it to study for their clinic uh, year-end exams, and then they use it to study for boards as well. So once you buy that once, you'll have access to it forever. If you want to support this channel and the website and things we do, if you got value out of this video and you want to give back, there are a couple ways to do it. There are some links in the description below. Uh, you can join the Patreon. That's kind of like a monthly pledge. That's like the PBS. This video is brought to you thanks to the support of viewers like you. That's like a monthly pledge. Uh, if you don't want to do a monthly thing, if you want to just do a one-time donation, there's a buy me a coffee link. You can do that. I think it only lets you do in like $5 increments because I guess that's how much coffee costs. Um, you can do that. Also, another thing you can do if you want to support the, the website is if we go to, if you go on the website, click resources, you can get the review courses, or you can go to uh, the books. And basically, these are Amazon affiliate links. If you click a link here and then buy something on Amazon, they give me some stupid small percent, like 4.5%. So that's a way you can support the channel at no additional cost to you. Uh, you can also get a free Audible trial. If you sign up for a free Audible trial and get the um, Spark in the Machine is a book about explaining Chinese medicine in terms of uh, Western medicine. If you sign you can get that through a free Audible trial. I think they, they give me some uh, affiliate referral link for that as well. Some people don't like to use don't like to use credit cards and they wanted to mail me a check. So I got a PO box so you can mail me, mail me a Halloween card um, or some Halloween candy. I don't need Halloween candy, but you can mail me Halloween candy. We have shirts. I'm not sure that the Mandalorian is popular anymore, but those are some ways you can support the, web, the website and uh, the YouTube channel if you want to. I think that's about it. This was a two hour lecture on Warm acrid herbs that release the exterior. That's all for today.
Thanks for being here. We'll see you next time.